may be seated. And let us pray. God of love and God of wisdom, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears, open all of our senses so that we may hear you and experience your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Once upon a time, give or take a billion years ago, when the earth was a formless void, when nothing existed except for a pinpoint of possibility, a singular, which contained, contained the blueprint of the whole world. Now, we don't know why, but one day, maybe someone flicked it. This singular exploded, sending its information out, and the universe expanded by trillion and trillion times. And as the universe expanded, it began to cool down and particles and antiparticles were formed and they began to crash into each other. And due to the universe dropping in temperature and this energy, helium and hydrogen were formed. And then after five minutes of the universe doing all this activity, it just stopped. It just stopped for give or take a million years. Until one day, we don't know why, temperatures began to drop again. And due to the weight of gravity, stars were formed. As the stars began to grow, they heated up, creating carbon and oxygen and nitrogen. And as the stars grew, they did what we all do. They aged. They got a little older. And they began to slump. And it got to the point where, because of gravity, they couldn't stand up and they collapsed in on themselves, and then they exploded, sending their ash throughout the universe. From their ash, we get rocks and trees. We get dolphins. We get my dog, Bear. We get you, and we get me. Humans, we are 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, and 3.3% nitrogen. Where do we get these elements? From those original stars. We are descendants of stars. We are all made from star dust. But do we remember this? Do we remember that everyone is made from stardust? I think some days we do this. Some days we're pretty good. But other days, we're sort of like the people in today's gospel. So in today's gospel, Jesus sees a man who is blind and a beggar, which means he's an outcast in his society. He's not allowed to be part of community life or religious life. He's got to be outside it, and he's seen unclean. But then Jesus cleans him, heals him, and he's restored. He goes back home, and how do his people greet him? Do they run up to him? and say, rejoice, what's been lost has been found? Do they throw him a party? Do they praise God saying, amen? No, they get kind of petty, don't they? They kind of grumble. They act like they don't even recognize him, like as if he's changed the way he looks. They still call him the man who is blind, 
meaning they refuse to see who he is now. They want to keep him as he was. They want to keep him as an outcast. How they treat this man reminds me of ninth grade algebra. I don't know if Stephen has shared this about me. I don't know if he knows this even. But I was a rock star at ninth grade algebra. You know this, Priscilla? Okay. I was the top of my class, along with Becky Twitchell and Xenia Delion. We called ourselves, get ready for this, the Trinity. Okay. In the class, too, there was Angie Metesky. Angie Metesky was probably the most popular girl at Canyon Park Junior High. She was beautiful, very stylish. She had an amazing singing voice. And she was really nice. She was authentically nice to everyone, which is the worst. <laughs> but Angie was terrible at math. So Mr. Whitmore had her sit next to me, hoping that I could influence her, mentor her. But it didn't work. She just like talked all the time to everyone around her. And I remember one day getting kind of annoyed that Angie wasn't paying attention. And so I stopped and I thought, hmm, all right, let's make a list. What are the qualities that Angie has that I don't have? The list was quite long. And then I thought, okay, what are the things that I have going for me that Angie doesn't? And I knew not to put math on this list. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I went, oh, I think my family makes just a little bit more money than her family. Harsh. And I have to be honest, I don't even know if this is true. All right, how do I remember that I made this list 30 years ago? Two reasons. First, that night, Angie Metesky's family won the lottery. Six million dollars. She had a bright red Mazda Miata convertible in high school. Yeah, awesome. Really loved that. And second, Second, I grew up in a family, particularly the Larson side, that said that you had to be humble and meek. My father is the least judgmental person I know. It drives Stephen crazy. He taught my sibling and I that we are not allowed to boast and that we're supposed to find the good in each person. And so I've always felt kind of guilty that I purposely made this list. But I was in middle school. Yeah. We're insecure in middle school. We're like competing in this invisible, invisible pecking order. As an adult, I try to be like my dad and not be judgmental. I try to listen to the words of Ted Lasso. You know, be curious, not judgmental. But I'm human. And some of you might have this too where, you know, I compare myself to others. I try to find little ways that I might be ahead, just a little bit better of them, normally to make myself feel better about myself. But really all that it does is just separates us from one another. It makes it hard to be God's beloved community. So in today's gospel, the people want to keep this man an outcast. As long as he is an outcast, their social order remains the same. But if he is clean, it throws everything in a loop. So they take the man to the Pharisees. Why the Pharisees? 
These are the religious leaders. Well, the Pharisees get to decide who's clean and who's unclean in a society. So they're hoping that the Pharisees might find a reason to keep this man unclean. And the Pharisees in today's Gospels, they pretty much say, yeah, he's been healed. He's healed. However, however, he wasn't healed on the right day. And the person who healed him should have known that we don't heal on Sabbath, so it mustn't have been a very good healer. I love how they're being judgy on Jesus, as if they could probably heal. The Pharisees used their self-righteousness to keep this man down, to keep control and power, to keep order as it is. Now, I don't criticize the Pharisees. They were the clergy of their day. And as you all know, clergy are the worst. We, with those that we serve and care for, we are 90% empathetic and good listeners and love unconditionally. But when clergy get around other clergy, probably not Episcopalians. You Episcopalians, not you. Okay? But Lutherans, when you get a bunch of Lutheran pastors together, it's Peacocks on parade. Huh? For years, the most toxic Facebook group I was part of, and it's changed since the pandemic, but the most toxic one was the ELCA, so that's the Lutheran Church body I'm part of, uh, clergy page. You'd have pastors posting all these great theological treatises. Or they would come on and they would talk about why their church was so big. And then someone would respond why their church was so small because they were doing the work of God and so hard. Or people would post sermons that they had written. And let's just be honest, everyone loves reading sermons on a Sunday afternoon. And then some people would respond to posts unaware of their privilege and their bias and their racism and misogyny. And so others would answer back and use my favorite, my son's favorite term, would call him a Karen right there. And then others would want to make sure that everyone knew how to correctly serve God, and it was like they were competing in a woke Olympics. How do we remember that we are stardust made from stars? Luckily for us, God does not see as mortals. God sees into our hearts. Jesus does not see as mortals. Jesus sees into our hearts. Jesus sees that this man is a beloved child of God and created new. And in the way Jesus heals this man, Jesus not only declares that this man is created new, but all those in the gospel, all of us, are made new through Christ. You might wonder, how does today's miracle do that? Well, Jesus spits on some ground, makes little mud and puts it on the eyes. It's the grossest miracle ever, right, Amelia? Right, Giles? Like, it's gross. Does it remind you of any other story in the Bible where God infuses themselves into the ground? I asked some Lutherans this question. I asked the first service this question. No one seems to get it, not to be judging. But any guesses out there? What? Guys, good job! Yes, the second creation story, where God breathes into the ground 
and human life is made. God breathes, and I'm sure there's a little bit of spit in that breath. God breathes into the dirt, into the dust, into stardust, and creates life. We all have God's breath in us. We are all made from dust. So how do we, when that voice of judgment, that voice of self-righteousness pops its head, how do we remember this? I'm not very good, but the baby steps, the baby steps for me come from the words of Pastor Dan Kleindine who says, one of the most dangerous spiritual places that we can live is in the deluded notion that we are fully sighted, spiritually speaking. Conversely, the healthiest place we live is not only to acknowledge our spiritual blindness, but also to embrace that it is an acceptable place to live. Meaning, we ask ourselves, why do we need to be right? We ask ourselves, where does our judgment come from? We befriend our weaknesses. We have the courage to be vulnerable with our insecurities. We make peace with it. We know that we're like dirt sometimes. Our lives are dry and crusty and feel as if they have no life in them at all. Our lives are like mud. They're sticky and messy. We are broken. We are messy. We are incomplete. As Lutherans like to say, we're sinners. We are broken and messy. And at the very same time, we have God's breath in us. We are incomplete, imperfect, and God declares that we are good, good enough. God loves us unconditionally, always. So at the church I serve, I've been giving them Lenten homework. So here is your Lenten homework for the week. As you try to be a little less judgy this week, don't start with the people on the news or on the TV. Don't even start with your family and friends. That's a recipe for disaster. Start with yourself. Ask, why do you need to be right? What is at the root of your judgment? Sit with it. Sit with it for a while. And then take a deep breath. And know that you are a beloved child of God, made from dust, holy dust. Amen.